Good morning. Welcome to worship on this festival day of Pentecost, the birthday of the church, the day we celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit being given to the disciples so that the good news of Christ could be proclaimed to all the world. We are so delighted that you are here on this very special day. You will notice that uh, those who are participating in leading worship today are able to not wear masks this week. We anticipate that the mask mandate for the congregation uh, will probably go away next Sunday. Uh, we will, of course, if you are 
more comfortable wearing a mask, we would encourage you to continue to do so. But our Healthy Church team will be meeting on Thursday, and we will be resubmitting another plan to the district superintendent, and uh, we'll be sending out an email to the congregation uh, later this week. So thank you for for uh, putting up with all of these various restrictions. They are meant to keep us safe, and so far they have. So we are very, very grateful. Again, welcome to worship on this Pentecost Sunday. Will you stand now as we pray together our call to worship? When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and all of the many foreigners heard the witnesses speaking in their own tongue. Come, Holy Spirit, witness to us also in our several languages. Speak in the language of our need. Let us hear how our deepest hungers, desires, and aspirations can be fulfilled by your goodness and in your service. Come, Holy Spirit, give us that good news again. Speak in the language of our fear. Let us hear how our worries about the future and about each other and about ourselves can find rest in your providential care. Come, Holy Spirit, give us that encouraging news again. Speak in the language of our gratitude. Let us hear how our honest thanks relate us, not only to those whom we love, but also to you, the Lord and giver of life. Come, Holy Spirit, give us that enlarging news again. Speak to us in the language of hope. Let us hear how our yearning and our expectations are not just wishful thinking, but responses to your promise. Come, Holy Spirit, give us that good news again.
Please be seated. Let us unite our hearts and voices in our opening prayer. Exuberant Spirit of God, on Pentecost, we remember that the church was born in wind and fire, not to sweep us heavenward like a presumptuous tower, but to guide us down the dusty roads of this world so that we may lift up the downcast, heal the broken, reconcile what is lost, and bring peace amidst unrest. Amen. I would like to ask for the attention of the children for children's time. Today is Pentecost. We call it the birthday of the church because it is the day that the gift of the Holy Spirit was given to the church. Remember that the disciples before this moment were all locked together in a room. They were very afraid. They weren't doing what, what, what Jesus called them to do, to share the good news with the whole world. They were just stuck. They were just kind of stuck where they were. With the gift of the Holy Spirit, suddenly they were able to do what Jesus had called them to do. They were able to, to go out and proclaim boldly the good news of Jesus' Jesus's life and death and resurrection. And it enabled the church to hear those words and to grow. This morning I brought with me a flashlight. I keep this flashlight in my car. Uh, sometimes I get home after dark, and this helps me get from my car to my my front door. So I thought I would use it to shine a spotlight on the cross today. You'll see the Holy Spirit is symbolized by a dove, which I will point to with my flashlight, which is not working. That's really embarrassing. Um, a flashlight really only has one purpose, to shine a light, and it's not really shining a light. I think I might know the problem, though. I... No battery. Ah, ah, now it works. In order to work, a flashlight needs a battery. In order for a flashlight to do what it's supposed to do, a flashlight needs a battery. Well, in order for us to do what we're meant to do as Christians, we need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's kind of like our battery pack. The Holy Spirit is what enables us to do what Jesus calls us to do, to bring peace among division, to share love, to share God's life-giving word. The thing is, the gift of the Holy Spirit, it didn't just come to the disciples way, way, way back in, in the days, 50 days after the resurrection. The Holy Spirit, as we learned last week, was a gift that was given to all of us, a gift that is available to all of us all the time, everywhere. So, remember, when sometimes Jesus asks you to do things that are hard, to love your enemies or to, to share a minority report in the room about your faith, just remember, you have the gift of the Holy Spirit in you. You have that battery pack 
inside you, and you can do uh, what Jesus called you to do because he has equipped you through the gift of the Holy Spirit. Happy Pentecost. I look forward to seeing you next week. As we prepare to hear God's holy word, let us pray together. Holy God, like a rushing wind, your spirit moved upon the first disciples on the day of Pentecost. And like a purifying fire, your spirit seared their hearts and minds with the message of salvation. Send your spirit upon your church as the scriptures are read and proclaimed. Stir up our courage and rouse us for prophetic witness that we may proclaim to the world your mighty deeds of power in Jesus Christ. For we pray in his name. Amen. Our first scripture lesson is from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a sound from heaven like the rush of an almighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them as tongues of fire, distributing and resting on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. And the Spirit gave them utterness. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. And they were amazed and wondered, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes, and Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and, other, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and give ear to my words. For these men are not drunk, I suppose, since it is the only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Ye, and all my men servants and my maid servants, in those days... I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire, vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the day the Lord comes, the great and manifest day. And it shall be that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel lesson is from the book of John, chapter 15, verses 26 through 27. 
Also, chapter 16, verses 4b through 15. But when the Counselor comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness to me, and you are also witnesses, because you have been with me from the beginning. And I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them. I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I said these things to you. Sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go away, but if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convince the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin. Because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no more. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all all the truths. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. I have to say, most adult liturgists, when they come to the words from Acts that say, and how is it that we hear each of us in our own language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, most of them say, I'd rather be a liturgist on another day. (laughs) So, Caden just did an incredibly bold and wonderful, fearless job of managing very difficult readings uh, this morning. Well done. Your battery pack is strong. Today is Pentecost Sunday, and the title of my sermon comes from the Pentecost hymn, I Am the Church. It is the hymn that we will sing as our closing hymn this morning. It underscores that the church is a people, a diverse people, and that is part of the wonder of this day. Pentecost is a reminder of things so important that they need an annual retelling. Pentecost is sometimes called the birthday of the church. The story actually begins centuries before with an intriguing and mystical event called the story of the Tower of Babel. The human community created by God to live in peace and harmony with God and with one another gathered together and decided to build a city and a tower that extends into the heavens. They wanted to make a name for themselves, but actually they wanted to avoid being dispersed. They were seeking security by building their city with high walls and and by claiming their one and only culture, which they assumed was God's favorite culture, and their language, which they assumed God spoke, were normative. It sounds cozy and it sounds comfortable and it sounds secure, like 
in a big gated community with folks just like us. God didn't like the idea. God was completely taken with the diversity of creation. The God who created both the giraffe and the platypus likes the diversity of creation. God does not seem to like sameness or security behind city walls, safe from intrusion and confrontation with the other, the stranger, the alien. In fact, God wants something very much like the opposite. So of all things, God comes down and stirs the pot, confuses the languages, and then scatters them all over the face of the earth. God loves diversity. God has in mind a creation that is filled with difference and contrast. Well, Pentecost is the second chapter of this story. It is the pivotal event for the tiny Jesus movement in Jerusalem and Galilee, the rural north of Palestine. Pentecost was and is a Jewish holiday, 50 days after Passover. It was a festival celebrating the completion of the spring harvest and was sometimes called the Feast of Weeks. It is 50 days also after Jesus' arrest, trial, crucifixion, and then three days later, his resurrection. For the disciples, it still would have been very dangerous to be seen publicly and identified as followers of Jesus. So they were behind locked doors, not in the temple saying their Pentecost prayers, when things start happening that are just beyond their description. Remember that Jews from all over the world are in Jerusalem to celebrate the holiday and enjoy the feast. So everyone is there from all over the world with their own dress and customs and languages. The followers of Jesus were there too. They were celebrating the feast and suddenly something happened that was beyond description. Later, when they remembered it, they said it was, was like a windstorm, um, almost like a hot fire. Followers of Jesus, whose native tongue was Aramaic and a little bit of Greek, began to speak in all the languages of all of these foreigners who were in Jerusalem for the festival from all over the world. So the disciples, once cloistered, go public. Something happened that changed their understandable fear into courage. They began to tell the story of Jesus, and again, not in Aramaic, which was the language that they all spoke. They began to tell the story of Jesus in all of these different languages from, from all of the people who had come to Jerusalem from all over the world. It was such a bizarre clamor that, that bystanders thought that they were all drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. The story is often misrepresented as early Christians speaking in tongues, babbling incoherently, but what was happening was actually the opposite. They were speaking coherently, they were just speaking in different languages. People were hearing and understanding the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, because they could hear it in their own language. The miracle here is not just speaking, but hearing. 
The miracle here is the miracle of communication between diverse people. We believe in a God who brings us together, who brings people together, mending brokenness and, and remaking and transforming separateness into oneness and wholeness and peace. Luke wants us to know that the whole world, with its marvelous diversity, racial, cultural, and linguistic, was there on Pentecost. And Luke wants us to know that God's spirit, the lively presence and energy of God, transcends diversity and creates something new, creates a community that speaks and hears and listens and understands a diverse community that communicates. Peter Gomes, the late chaplain of Harvard University Chapel, wrote that Pentecost did not reduce or diminish the diversity of the crowd. They did not become less than they were. They became more than they had been because they had become one with all who heard and understand, understood that God is alive and active in this world. Well... That is a word that could not be more relevant. Because of Pentecost, we dare to believe that God is always working to bring together nations, races, cultures, not to override diversity, but to enable community, communication, and communion. In the church, particularly, God is always pushing and prodding us to listen to one another, to hear what others are saying, to communicate. And I know this, this Pentecost image of being the church is not an easy one. If you were on your way home to stop anyone outside and ask that person about the essential unity of the Christian church, they'd likely look at you like this or shake their heads. Our denomination is wrestling now with numerous issues and struggling to find a way to disagree with one another and at the same time hold on to one another. Speaking our deep convictions, even though they are not shared by all, but refusing to let go of one another, staying in communion, staying in communication in spite of our diversity of views. The lack of unity is also easy to see if we just look at the different denominations within a three-mile radius of this church. Lots of little compartments of Christianity at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. They do things their way, we do things our way, and new churches are cropping up all the time as Christians disagree about what doing it our way means. Differences are inevitable. Pentecost doesn't change that. But division is not inevitable, though it is sure a lot easier than unity. Unity takes time and it takes work. It takes self-examination and it takes confession. It takes a lot of listening, tremendous charity, and a courtesy toward one another. It doesn't mean that we are uniform or our beliefs are held unanimously but unified by God, who at Pentecost gave us a common purpose. Though God knew we'd carry it back into very different places and even express it through different languages. The stakes are high. 
The church was not created so that people could live happily ever after. It was created so that the world could look at us and believe. Because unity is a miracle, especially when it is unity in love. The world sees a bunch of very different people working together to build something beautiful for God, and the world takes notice. The world says, now that's unusual. Whatever those folks believe, it sure seems to pull them together as one family. Perhaps naively, I continue to believe that the church has an incredibly important opportunity to show a fractured society in a very broken world that it is possible to preserve unity while respecting diversity and to show the world that that is not only possible but a good thing. It's a good thing to love and to listen to and to try to understand the one with whom I deeply disagree. It's a Pentecost value. This Christian faith of ours from the very beginning has been an unusual and remarkably connective religion. This faith of ours includes belief in the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, actively bringing together separate cultures, races, nations, and individuals. This faith of ours is in a God who is, is always speaking and hearing, who is always and forever working to bring us together, to mend, to reconcile you and your dear ones, you and your enemies, as well as races, cultures, and nations, until the day when all of the barriers and all of the boundaries are gone, and all are one, and the kingdom has come. A God who in the meantime comes to each of us, sometimes loudly and aggressively like at Pentecost, but more often quietly and softly, moving us to open our hearts and our minds and our lives to God and one another. In other words, Pentecost is not a once-and-for-all event. Pentecost is an ongoing process by which the Holy Spirit regularly rattles, bewilders, and turns the world upside down. Pentecost is a promise that God never abandons the world, never abandons the church, never abandons you or me, a promise that the Holy Spirit will continue to stir and energize the imagination and faith and hope. Pentecost gently reminds us that God is always present in our life together and shows up in totally unexpected and surprising and compelling ways. The promise of Pentecost is that God will continue to fire the imagination of the church to stir it up and give it impatience and power and energy for the work that it is called to do. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Will be clear. 
I've asked Pastor Elizabeth for a moment with you today because I come to you in faith as we received Jake's results on Friday. And I wanted to stand before God and before you as my brothers and sisters because first, I just cannot thank you our church family enough for the palpable prayer support that you are giving to Jake and me. Our lives changed on May the 10th, but God's timing is in every moment of this, and that is what I want to give witness to today. On the 10th, I was here recording a duet with Marianne and Kim when Jake called me. He was trying to drive here to do recording. And as he said, I feel unsafe and I need to go home. And I said, I will come to be with you. And Beth Chapman, in the meantime, because her daughter Elizabeth, who is a neuro nurse, called and said, Elizabeth is in Kernersville. I'm going to send her to your home if you will allow to assess Jake in case we need to call 911. I said, please, and I went home. She thought that Jake had not had a stroke, but was possibly suffering from a tumor or an aneurysm. So I got home and we took Jake to the ER at Baptist Hospital. Because of COVID, I could not go in with him. And as I said, Jake, you're gonna have to be proactive and make them see you, which he did. He did good. And they did a CT scan and found something on the back right of his brain. They thought it was a stroke. But an MRI in the morning of Tuesday morning, May the 11th, showed the tumor. That day was very difficult because with every set of doctors that came in, it was like the situation was becoming more dire. And they did say that at the end of the day, if Jake did nothing, which was his question, he would probably have three to six months to live. We, they discharged us and sent us home for five beautiful days together before his biopsy this past Monday, May the 17th. On Tuesday, we met with the doctor. Dr. Adrian Laxton, he will be Jake's neurosurgeon. And although they thought this tumor was inoperable, surgery went back on the table. We received the results on Friday, which they had said might take seven to 10 days. And this was after we were rushed in for Jake to see a neuro-ophthalmologist who determined that there is nothing wrong with his eyes. Everything with his eyes are firing and he's great. It's just trying to send these messages back to that brain center is being impeded by the tumor. The tumor is a primary brain tumor. It is stage four, the most aggressive, and it is a glioblastoma. But in God's timing, it will be removed this Thursday at Baptist Hospital and Jake will then begin a six-week series of treatment. 
in which he will take chemo and they will do a thermal interficial light therapy in what might be remaining. I am claiming a miracle. I'm standing in the house of the Lord today on the promises of God before you in this congregation who I do not know how I would be standing here today without each one of you. Many of you have come to me and said, I don't know why the Lord brought you to us, but we are so thankful that you are here. And when I received this word on Friday, I called my dear friend Karen Turney. Now you know the depth of that relationship if I call her before my mother. And with Karen, we prayed, and as she said, God's all over this. And I claim this. The day of the biopsy, that Jake every morning gets up as he would normally do and sings, goes through his practice. And the day of the biopsy, he walked around the corner and looked at me and he said, I have more singing to do. And I said, I know you do, darling. And so I just ask you to be with us as you have done in ways that have changed my life. And I know that this is leading me closer in my walk to the Lord, with the Lord, but it is leading Jake in his walk with the Lord. And when we came home on Tuesday morning after the biopsy and saw our driveway lined with these hearts, with your messages and scripture, it was devastatingly beautiful. And every day we get up and we have our devotional time and we pull a heart out of the vase and we read that scripture and we pray. So I thank you. I just want to thank God in advance for this miracle that he is getting ready to do. For Jake and I have pledged ourselves in his hands. For we want to be here to continue to serve you and this world. And so I just ask you now, before we pray with Elizabeth, to pray with me as I stand in the, the temple of the Lord for my husband. Heavenly Father, I come to you today on my knees and in full faith before you to pray for my husband, Jake. We had no idea that you had this coming down our path. But in everything, we know that all things work together for good to those that love the Lord. And with my Christian brothers and sisters here in this church, which has become so dear to us and which is so dear to you, I ask in your holy name and with the precious spirit of God, which we celebrate this anointing today on your church, to be with Jake to be with the doctors as this Thursday they will go in and perform this miracle. I pray for your spirit to be with Jake in that process and I thank you for his health and for his constitution which you continue to give to him and which is a means of praise and gratitude even as we face what lies ahead. Father, for every person in this room today who is suffering in some way 
privately as I know how difficult that can be. Be with us. Unite us in this spirit of your grace. Lead us forward. Produce your miracles so that every day of our life, for the rest of my life, I will give you all praise and glory for what you are going to do in Jake's life. And Father, I claim the last verse of Greatest Thy Faithfulness today. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine and ten thousand besides. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto thee. Amen. May we continue in prayer. Loving God, you are the great physician, and we call upon your healing power, your spirit, your Holy Spirit, source of energy and source of power, we call upon to bring miracles of healing for Jake, to work through the hands and hearts and minds of his surgical team on Thursday, and to allow him to know as he goes into surgery of your love for him and our love for him. May he feel it surrounding him and lifting him. Lord, you give to each of us your strength through the Holy Spirit. May we offer that strength to Jill so that she may offer that strength to Jake. We are so grateful for the gifts that they share in our community so abundantly and so faithfully. And we pray, Lord, that Jake does indeed have more singing, and we know, God, that you've got this. Lord, help us to be the prayer support and the family that surrounds Jill and Jake with support and care and love, especially as Jake undergoes surgery and begins treatment and recovery. All of these things we ask in your holy and powerful name, praying as Jesus taught us to pray each day. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We love you. 
Will you stand now and affirm your faith with the Apostles' Creed? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come again to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Oh, the good news through the world to all who would hear it. 
And now may you go out into God's world filled with the spark of the Holy Spirit. Let love guide your actions. Listen for the spirit of truth. Spread the peace of Christ and remind everyone you meet that each one is a beloved child of God. Amen. Please be seated for the postlude.